Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Good morning, Ville Church. It's good to be with you again uh, to share God's Word, the message he's, I feel like He's given me for the church uh, in these uh, interesting times we're living. Um, so uh, it's good to be with you. Pastor Jay is out of town this weekend, and so I, I get a chance to share with you. Last week as we met uh, at uh, the school, Andrew Jackson outside for our prayer walk, our prayer time, and um, on the corner of 28th and Pearl, uh, Pastor Jay felt it was, we needed, to, he just felt like a real heavy heart and just get some time to share with each other and uh, kind of begin a process of, of lamenting. Uh, and um, so it was a, a good time for the time I was able to be with you and, and share in here. I learned a lot. And so thanks for those who came out and shared. And I pray this will help us to grow in our faith. And, and even as we've been going through this series of Rooted, uh, when we learn to lament, we become even more rooted in our, in our faith in Christ. And so this is, I, I want to speak to you tonight, give some thoughts on, on lamenting. What does it mean? to lament, and uh, that's a word we don't use very much, lament, or to lament. Uh, it's, it's, it's an older word that you don't hear too much in our vocabulary, but what does it mean? What does it mean to lament? Well, Webster's Dictionary defines lament as a crying out in grief, to express sorrow, mourning, or regret. Regret for something that you, that you missed in your life. And it's often very demonstratively to mourn aloud. It is a crying out, a wailing even, to, of, of the, the, the things in your life. And biblically, lament is a, a description or a, a, a definition of it. Now, biblically, it, would be, it is a prayer of protest that attempts to describe things that are indescribable. The level, the depth of what you're feeling is, it's hard to describe. It's almost indescribable. And it's a prayer of protest of why, why is this happening? Do you know what's happening, God? And um, lamenting is an important part of our Christian, our lives as Christians. Through the centuries, uh, the church has learned to lament uh, before the Lord. And in the book of Psalms, there are more than 40 of the Psalms are prayers of lament. And uh, there's a book actually in the Bible called the Book of Lamentations. Uh, and it's written describing the decimation of Jerusalem when it was conquered in 587 B.C. by the Babylonians. And the people were deported to Babylon. It is, the author is pouring out his heart and lament to the Lord and said, Lord, do you see? Do you see the pain we're in? Uh, it's a book called Lamentations. So it's important. Lamenting, learning to lament. But it's not something we practice as much in, in the church, in the Western church. And so I'd like to share that with us, how we can go and, and lament uh, as we grow in our faith. Stacy Glady-Smith, who is the Director of Worship Arts at Columbia Bible College in British Columbia, Canada, has written and studied much about lamenting. And she says, biblical lamenting addresses God, calling upon specific aspects of his revealed character. It engages in an honest and emotional, emotionally real analysis of a current situation, a situation that does not align with God's character or his plan for the world. 
It expects our good, powerful, and merciful God and just God to respond. It expects God, as we know him, as a powerful, merciful, and just God to respond. And we recognize his ability to act uh, within a seemingly impossible situation. And therefore, it results in trust and praise to a circumstance, not despite of it. She says, as she continues, that she's come to realize that a failure to lament in our gathered worship is one of the biggest barriers to authentic faith in our communities. She says, if we don't individually affirm God's reign in the midst of circumstances that would seem, would seem to refute his reign, in the midst of pain and hunger and sorrow and confusion and oppression, despair, and even death, if we don't learn to affirm God's reign in the midst of that, those situations, then we can never bring our full self into our relationship with God. We have ruled a portion of our lives, a portion that confronts pain outside of God's purview as inadmissible in our relationship with Him. If we don't learn to lament individually or bring these things to Him individually, and if we don't learn to lament as a congregation, well, then we promote the idea that our gathered worship is reserved for the happy and well-fed. That those who struggle with sin or grief or sickness or poverty should just stay home. We declare them unwelcome in our midst by failing to lament in our gathered worship. We propagate a circumstantial faith, a faith that is dependent on things going well, rather than a faith that is dependent on the character and actions of God. It is so important to lament individually and corporately as we come together. And we began to do that last week. As I said, several of the Psalms, in the book of Psalms, is prayers of lament. And so I'd like to read one of them and use that as our example as we learn how to lament. How can we be a church that laments? In Psalm 79, if you have your Bible and want to look on with me, I'll read it. It's 13 verses, and then we'll use that as the basis as we look at lamenting. The psalmist writes, O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the heavens for food, the flesh of your faithful to the beasts of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. This could have been written very well during the siege of Jerusalem when Babylon was conquering, as you can hear him pouring out his heart. We have become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derided by those around us. How long, O oh Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call upon your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his habitation. Do not remember against us our former iniquities. Uh, let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among the nations before our eyes. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you according to your great power. Preserve those doomed to die. 
We turn sevenfold into the lap of our neighbors, the taunts with which they have taunted you, O Lord. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. As we look at lament, as I've studied and as uh, Professor Glenn Smith has led, and I've got a lot, read a lot of her stuff, there are five parts to a, a lament when we come before God. And I'd like to look at those five parts and see how we can become better uh, at lamenting before God. First is we address God. It is, the address is to God. We talk to God. Second, we name a complaint to God. Third, we ask God for a response. We ask for a response from God. Fourth, we express hope in God. And fifth, we respond to God. Let's look at each of those points and get a better grasp of what it means in each of those points. The first one, we address God. A biblical lament cries out to God. This is not an internal, internally focused process of grieving. It is first and foremost a prayer, a conversation with God. And when we consider the God to whom we cry, this aspect takes on an even greater significance. We cry out to God. We're not talking to our friends, our neighbors, our family. We're talking to God in this lament. We're bringing our prayers, our protest to God. And we, we grasp who it is we're talking to. It changes everything. God has 85 names in the Old Testament designed to describe who he is or what he does. Examples of some of those names, he is the creator, the all-seeing God, the Lord Almighty, the healer, our provider, omnipresent, always there, our banner, our shepherd, our peace. Isaiah 9, 6 speaks of Jesus when he was predicting and prophesying of his coming. He said, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is who we are bringing our concerns, our prayers and protests to, this God. We cry to an omnipotent God, a good and merciful God, who grants us access to himself and invites us into a personal relationship with him. It is not a God who's far off, who we don't know. It's a God who we can know and who knows us intimately. Lament gives us permission to hold both sorrow as we pour out our pain and hurt to him and hope in the God we're crying out to in sacred tension. So first we address God. It is a prayer of protest to God, addressed to God. And then second, we name a complaint to God. We, we tell him how it really is. We become real with God. A lament honestly and specifically names a situation or circumstance that is painful, wrong, or unjust. A situation or circumstance that does not align with God's character. It doesn't make sense in our understanding of God's kingdom. It doesn't line up with what we understand of God's kingdom. Lament is an attempt to describe things that are indescribable. It is always a prayer of protest. Naming something that is not right, that we want made right. And it must be Holy Spirit aided because it is so hard to talk about these deep, deep emotions. Our pain has many deep layers. The emotional tone of a lament may express sorrow, remorse, weariness, anger, 
disappointment or doubt. We lay it out before God. We bring everything. As we are addressing our God, we lay everything before him. All of our emotions, all of our hurt, all of our pain, all of our confusion and disappointment, we lay it out for him in a, in a complaint before him because we don't understand it. We, it hurts so deeply. And then third, we ask for a response from God. A lament expects a, a response or an answer. It expects God will be able to do something about the situation. Most often the request sounds like a demand. It's the psalmist, the one praying, is, is his essential heart-rendering cry. God, do something. You see what's happening, do something. Some examples of uh, this type of a, a call for response, a request, or a demand is in Psalm 83. It says, oh God, do not remain silent. Psalm 59, rescue us from our enemies, oh God. Psalm 80, please listen, O shepherd of Israel. Psalm 28, give them the punishment they so richly deserve. Psalm 44, wake up, O Lord. Psalm 22, O Lord, do not stay far away. In Psalm 6, return, O God, and rescue us. So it starts as a, a prayer, a protest to God with a complaint from our hearts and our feelings to him and what we're going through. And we, in, in that we ask God to do something. We ask for a response. We say, God, do something. And then as part of it is an expression of hope in God because we're praying to our Father who can do something. The lament generally includes an explicit expression of trust, sometimes woven through the complaint and other times concluding the psalm. It almost seems like a departure from the lament. How do these two go together? A worship and a, a praise of the hope, expression of hope and the great deep sorrow we're experiencing. But to understand biblical lament properly, we must acknowledge that the expression of trust with all its praise and joy is part of the lament. Even though the pain is deep, and we're, we're, we're in deep anguish, there is still a prayer, there's still a prayer of hope in the Lord. Lament, as I said earlier, holds both sorrow and hope together in a tension that is most holy. Some examples of the hope in, uh, expressed in uh, Psalm, Psalm 13, five through six. The psalmist says, but I trust in your loving kindness. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And I will sing to the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 31, 14, but I trust in you, Lord. I said, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Psalm 71, 14, but I will always hope and will add to all your praise. My mouth will tell about your righteousness and of your salvation all day, though I do not know its full measure. Psalm 86, 15, but you, Lord, are merciful and gracious, are a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. And Psalm 42, 11, for I shall still praise him, my God, my salvation and my God. So it is a prayer to God expressed in a complaint uh, with a response uh, asked for and even demanded, do something, God, with an expression of hope that God 
is the only one who can do something. It is not a trust in what we can do or our ability to trust in God. And God is the only one who can bring a response that was needed to, to save the situation. And then lastly, we respond to God. As we pray and, and lift up our prayers and our lament and our, our pain and sorrow to God and the hurt and, and share it all with him, we consider the response that God might be leading us toward. What does he want us to do in response? We listen to the Holy Spirit's leading. And we don't discount whatever comes to our mind, no matter how big or small. And we be sure that we're obedient to where we say God is leading us. I have to go back to Psalm 79 as I use that as an example and look at these different parts in this psalm. First, it says we address God. We speak to God. The psalm starts off, oh God, the nations have come into your inheritance. Oh God, it starts off. First words out of the, of the psalm is, oh God. Later in the psalm, it says, oh Lord. How long, oh Lord? Speaking to the Lord. Then in Psalm verse nine, it says, help us, oh God. We're speaking to God. So the, the, the psalm is addressed, the prayer is addressed to God. We name a complaint to God. As they said, the nations, Lord, look, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the heavens for food. The flesh of your faithful to the beasts of the field. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem. Don't you see, oh God, see how, what is happening? And where there is no one to bury them, we have become a taunt to our neighbors and mocked and derided by those around us. He's, he's laying, this is a complaint. God, this doesn't add up to who you are. You are God. How can this be happening? It's so indescribable, so deep. And it goes on. It has uh, talks about more. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his habitation. This is what is so heavy on his heart. Okay. And then it says, we ask for a response from God. So the response in this, and it's almost like a, a, um, a demand. It says, Pour out your anger. Verse 6 of seven, chapter 79 of the psalm says, Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you, on the kingdoms that do not call upon your name. And then it goes on in verse 9, Help us, O God, help us. Deliver us, atone for our sins, for your name's sake. God, do this for us. We ask for a response from you. And then there's an expression of hope in God. In verse 9, where he says, help us, he says, O God of our salvation, you are our salvation. Our hope is in you for salvation, for the glory of your name. Our hope is still in you that you will work, you will do something for the glory of your name. And then we respond to God. The response in this is at the end of verse, chapter, verse 13 of chapter 79. It says, but we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Is that we, our response to this, as we've laid our lament to you and we are crying out to you, God, is that we will give thanks to you forever. We will always give thanks to you because our hope and our trust is in you. And we will tell of your, your praise from generation to generation. Always we will tell of your praise Oh God, this will be our response to you. And I, in, my, in my life, I've had a chance uh, to 
lament over different things in my life, different things I, I didn't understand and, and different pains that I've gone through, different things I understand. Um, an example I'd like to share with you this evening is God is working. I'm still in the process of lamenting through this situation, but um, some years ago, <clears throat> my siblings, three siblings and I, we were given some land. We inherited some land from our parents and my aunt on their passing. And as we, as we sat together and talked about what we wanted to do with the land, we decided to keep it together and, and sell it together. We didn't have a lot of intention on developing the land. I had moved away. Uh, my brothers and sisters in the area, they didn't have a, a desire to develop the property. So we said, let's, let's keep it together and sell it together instead of dividing it at the moment. And we, we did that for a couple of years. Then my youngest brother came and said he wanted his portion divided. And part of the portion he asked for was to have my aunt's house. And we had agreed they could have it if he really wanted it. So we met, went through the process about six months and, and negotiated back and forth how much land he would get. And there were some hard things we dealt with and some, maybe some uh, hurt feelings as we went through it and discussed it and decided what would be the best way to do it. And in the end, after about six months, we uh, divided the land and he got uh, what he wanted, the land he wanted in, in my, my aunt's house. He said he, he was thinking about moving his family there and he was going to fix it up. And, and so we, we divided but at the time, my, my niece was living in the house. Our niece was living there, and, and uh, he, he had to decide what he would do with that situation. But uh, I, I counseled him not to act harshly, but to work with her. But sadly, within a, a week of him receiving the, uh, the title in his name, and it was all transferred to him, he, uh, uh, he went ahead and, and, and gave her a... Um, uh, a, 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 an eviction notice. Gave her five days to move out. How hard that was. That, that was so unexpected. And so my sister, my niece's mother, was so hurt by my brothers. And he just he sent uh, the officers out to give the eviction notice and said, you have five days to move. And so it was so hard to work through that. And, <clears throat> but we did. I called him and, and talked to him about it. And he said it was his. he could do what he wanted with it. And he, he wanted her out so he could, he could begin to work on it. And, but it was just so hard to think he would just evict her so, uh, so, so hard, so quickly that way. I was in February, and we were in the midst of planning for my uh, James and Sarah's uh, wedding in, in, in June. And, and my brother, who had gotten the house and evicted our niece, he, he wrote to me in March and said, hey, looking forward to coming to the wedding. And I wrote back and said, have you... Uh, we worked things out with my sister, with your sister, with our sister, that you have hurt by your actions of uh, evicting my niece from the house. Have you have you talked to her? Are you on speaking ground? Uh, and he wrote back, he said, I've done nothing wrong. It was my house. I could do what I wanted. And uh, he said, if she wants to talk to me, she can come see me. And I wrote back and said, no. I said, uh, uh, you you need to, you go to her. You're the one that uh, evicted. You need to go and make sure it's, uh, it's good. And he said, I don't see a need for that. And I said, I, I don't want you to bring this uh, unresolved conflict to the wedding and I'd just rather you not come to the wedding if you're not willing to go. He became very angry at me and said I did nothing wrong even his wife is angry with me. So we did nothing wrong and so if that's what you want we won't come to the wedding. And so they didn't come to the wedding. We had the wedding without them went on but this caused a great rift in our family. I began to lament and cry out to God and say God uh, you know I just laid out for him, how could this happen? How could we let this begin to divide us and separate us as a family? cause problems in our family. How can we let this happen, God? Uh, I just laid out my complaint to God. God, this is not what you want. This is not, 
You know, we, we, we are all supposedly are those who know you and walk with you. And uh, even though some are not walking as closely, but we, we claim that we have faith in you. And how is this dividing us, Father? And I just laid out to him, just cried out to him. And, and, uh, and I said, Lord, do something. Work in our hearts. Show us our sinfulness that we might uh, confess it. I began to pray for my brothers and sisters to, to see their their sinfulness and, and, and all our sins and actually and, 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 and repent of it and show us what to do. Uh, show us and work in this as we do something, God. Bring this. Don't let this separate us. Don't let this this, this inheritance separate us. This, this, this situation separate us as a family, but work on it. And I remember saying, God, you're the only one. I express my hope in him. I said, Lord, I, I praise you that you are working. I can trust you to work in each of our lives to, to work this out. And I remember as I prayed about this, and, and I began to still try to communicate with my brother, but he had no interest in communicating, heard nothing from him for some months. <clears throat> I realized that um, I was going to go visit my family in that area about uh, four or five months later. And I just felt the God put on my heart. My response in this, as he was leading me to respond in my, in my, my going through this, and my grieving, my lamenting over this, uh, was that I need to see my my brother? I need to find him, and to uh, and to tell him that I and ask for his forgiveness for hurting his family. I could have handled it maybe in a different way, a better way uh, than what I did. And I hurt his family deeply. It seemed, and I, I didn't mean to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt him. And so I decided I would do that. I would find him, and I sent him. A, tried to call him, send him a text, communicate. He was communicating with me at all. He had no interest in communicating with me. And so as I visited the area. And, went to the property. He was actually happened to be at my aunt's house working on it uh, that day. So I, I pulled up there. I, I went to see him and he was outside the house. And when I walked up, he was kind of shocked, almost thinking I was going to come at him again and, and bring some things to him. And, and he, was, he was surprised to see me. And he immediately began to talk about our family and the problems. And I said, I haven't come to talk about that, but I've come to ask you if you would forgive me. I've hurt your family deeply. And I I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And I, I didn't say I'm sorry for what I asked, asked him to come to the wedding, but I, I did say I'm sorry I've hurt your family. I feel like still I made the right decision in not bringing this into the, the situation with the, the wedding of James and Sarah, but I, I said, will you forgive me for the hurt I've caused your family? Uh, and he was a bit surprised, but he said, yes, I'll, I'll forgive you for it. And we, we left uh, beginning to build that bond again and, and still and grow together. And since that time, we begin to communicate more and begin to see healing in the middle of it. But still, I'm lamenting. There's still hurt in our family over this. And my other siblings are not communicating with my other brother, my brother, as I, as I feel like they should. And, and I still lament and cry out to God to, to work in our hearts. I feel like right now, another thing I need to do is to talk to my other brother and uh, challenge him as a follower of Christ to, to do more, to to build the relationship and to restore the relationship with my brother. So if I, I just I said, this is an example of a lament that I went through where I, I cried out to God. I brought this complaint, complaint to God and said, God, why, why is this happening? And why is it in our family? It's personal to me. Uh, and so then I, 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 I said, do something, God. Do something in the middle of it. And, and I expressed my hope in him and he, he showed me a response which I, I took. And, and even in our, our country and the pain and the anguish we see over things happening of those that things are not the way God would want them and the the, the 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 things that are happening in our country we can say we can still lament over them and cry out to God and, and trust God express our hope and our faith in him that he will bring healing and he will show us our response 
in the middle of it. I have to finish by uh, <clears throat> sharing another of Mrs. Smith's uh, quotes that she shared uh, to finish this message, to give us hope in the midst of our lamenting. It says, by crying out to God to come and to come quickly in the situations that we face, by screaming out our sorrow and frustration as a community on behalf of the world, calling upon a merciful, powerful, just God to change things. We realign ourselves with God's person and his purposes. Excuse me. We find trust, even joy. We rediscover hope. And through our circumstances, in the teeth of all the darkness that surrounds us, we declare the reign of the living God who has come and is coming again. To him be the praise forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you call us as your people to lament individually and corporately as your people to lament. And may we be a church that laments the uh, situations we see around us as we the nation of Israel lamented the things that were not in accordance with how they knew you and what they knew about you. May we lament as we see uh, the things around us that are not uh, in accordance with your plan. As we pray the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see that unhappening. May we lament and cry out to you, um, expecting you to do something, expressing our hope in you and then responding as you would lead us for your glory. Thank you. Thank you that you welcome us. You call us to lament before you and you meet us there in our, our, our limit, lamenting to bring us hope and joy and trust and faith. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.